This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So it appears that the great rotation that we saw over the summer may actually not be over yet. Maybe it was just taking a break, taking a little breather there, because many of the top growth stocks recently during this earnings season are having a hard time extending their rallies, even those that are having great earnings reports, even some of those that are having like beat and then they're raising. Those stocks are still kind of lagging. And it seems to be a valuation play with many of them that, uh, for whatever reason, like we saw over the summer, investors are reluctant to dive in and push those stocks that are already pretty pricey even higher, even though they were doing it, you know, the last five or six years. (laughs) But now suddenly they're having second thoughts. They're having um, some regrets maybe, I don't know, about buying those stocks with the high PEs or maybe just they're jittery. They're nervous about buying them now that they are, some of them at least, at the higher nosebleeds levels. So it does look like some of the rotation is happening back into some of the value plays. And one of those areas that certainly should be in play, um, although it's a little complicated right here, is the financial sector because that has been among the cheaper of the Um, value sectors over the last couple of years now. Um, Let's just say, well, since, since maybe 2017, it's been pretty cheap and the shares haven't really been doing anything. Right after the election in 2016, all the shares were bid up because everybody said like, oh, the Fed is, um, you know, back in play and we're going to get corporate tax cuts and infrastructure and all this. So, uh, the financials, you know, had a rally, but then they've been doing nothing. So they are looking on the cheaper side again. And um, we've gotten a lot of them in already for this earnings season now, even though we're only a couple of weeks into the earnings season for the third quarter. And bank earnings are getting hard hit by the Fed interest rate cuts now. And these are like the typical prototypical banks where they they make their money off of, you know, consumer deposits really and then loaning out money a lot of times through like mortgages, car loans, that kind of stuff. But with those rates so low, they don't have much leeway in there um, to make much. And as those interest rates are cut, it basically goes right to the earnings. So a lot of the bank earnings are being cut. And I was noticing that a lot of the uh, much smaller banks now, which completely rely on that for their um, income, are now Zach's rank fives, the strong cells. But remember, the Zach's rank is a short-term uh, strategy. It's only one to three months for that recommendation. So if you're a long-term holder, which a lot of value investors are, you should only really be using it as a guide. We do use it as a guide because we do want rising earnings estimates if we can get it at all. Uh, a lot of time, the fives now will maybe uh, signal the value trap here with some of these stocks. But um, it's something to keep in mind if you don't want to buy any of the fives. Just keep them on your watch list because the Zach's rank can change almost every day, basically, uh, depending on what the analyst estimates are doing. So right now they are all being cut. So I don't expect the bank ranks to improve much here, at least not until next quarter. And then 
we'll see. But um, just keep that in mind because the the rank is not the greatest with a lot of these banks. But with that in mind, I thought I'd take a look at Warren Buffett's uh, bank stocks, the ones he owns in Berkshire Hathaway, because a lot of people like to own what Berkshire buys. So why not the banks, right? Especially now if you're looking around for some ideas, which I was, and I was like, well, I don't know, there's a ton of banks out there. Which ones am I supposed to be looking at, right? So why not start with Warren Buffett's own portfolio to see which ones he and his co-managers really like. And just a reminder, with the Berkshire Hathaway portfolio, that financials, uh, they're a huge percentage of his overall portfolio. And I took a look, and in the second quarter of 2019, which is the last quarter we have the data for for now, financials made up 47.4% of his total portfolio. So that's pretty huge. Um, it's pretty risky to have almost basically half your portfolio in one sector. And remember, financials doesn't include just the banks. It includes insurance, um, the credit card companies, a lot of other things are in the financial realm, but he does own a lot of banks actually too. Healthcare, by contrast, was just 1.3% of his total portfolio. That's a little shocking to me because you would think uh, given his strategy that he might be interested in some of the cheap big drug companies, but he hasn't been buying any of those. And I haven't really been buying any of those either for my own value investor portfolio here at Zacks. And one of the reasons for that is because a lot of their R&D and their um, drug uh, pipeline doesn't look real good with a lot of those big cap drug manufacturers. So it's really hard to to dive in right here with no catalyst for moving forward into the future. So maybe he's thinking the same thing, him and his co-managers, and that's why they're not really in it either. But like I said, it's a little risky to have half of your portfolio in one sector. And um, right now he's Actually, you know, that the Berkshire portfolio is probably paying somewhat of a price for being in the banks because they haven't performed that well over the last couple of years. But we're going to take a look, look and see what ones he's in, what they're doing, and whether or not you should be following him into any of these. Are they value traps? I didn't know. So this was kind of eye opening for me to see what these banks are doing now that they have reported their third quarter results here too. So um, yeah, it's interesting. So let's dive right into it. So the first bank is the one that he now has the largest position in, in his entire portfolio uh, for the banks. And it's Bank of America. BAC is is the ticker there. It's now 12.9% of the portfolio. He only started buying this one in the third quarter of 2017. So the managers there have really been adding to positions in this in this stock, and he added some more in the second quarter of 2019. It has a market cap of 285 billion, so it's one of the big, you know, four or five banks in the United States. It has a dividend, which is now 2.3 percent. Um, I took a look at those earnings. Earnings estimates aren't looking negative, at least. And they are for a lot of the banks. So this one expected to be up just 2.7% here in 2019, 2020 up 114 They're cheap, the shares, but not 
extremely so. So the PE is about 12 here, which isn't that cheap for a lot of the banks. I would prefer to get it as a single digit if I could, but uh, maybe he was getting it at that when he was buying in 2017, a lot of these shares. Year to date, these shares are actually up 27% versus 21% for the S&P 500. And then over the last two years, I looked back a little bit further. They are underperforming, which is what I said earlier. The banks have not been good over the last two years, up 13.9 versus about 18% for the S&P 500 in that time period. So you are have been getting some of that underperformance, which is why, uh, hey, at least you're getting a dividend to add on top of that one. So Bank of America, it's not a value trap here. And it is one of the bigger banks that I tend to like quite a bit here. And the Zach's rank is not a five. It's a number three hold right now on Bank of America. Okay, switching over, um, I skipped over some of his other big uh, bank stocks. I'm going to go into those a little bit later because I felt like some of his others were a little more intriguing. So the second one I want to cover is PNC Financial. PNC is the ticker there. I've mentioned this on other podcasts where we've talked about Buffett's portfolio. He only just started buying this one last year. He first bought uh, shares in this in the third quarter of 2018. It's a very small percentage of his portfolio, just 0.57% of the total Berkshire portfolio. It does pay the dividend, 3.1%. Uh, PNC is in Pittsburgh. It's still a big cap, but market cap is a lot smaller than uh, Bank of America at $64 billion. It is more expensive, which is maybe why he's not really adding a lot to this position. It's 13 times it's trading right here. And earnings looking similar to Bank of America here. They're not on the decline, so not a value trap. Uh, 2019 expected to grow 5.9, 2020 3.6. So we are in the positive camp there. So that's good. The shares have responded similarly to Bank of America. So year to date up 24.4, which does beat the S&P 500 up 21%. And then two year up just 6.6 versus that 18% for the S&P 500. So um, struggling a little bit there. Is this the cheapest of those bigger banks? No, but I am also a personal fan of PNC. Um, just how their bank management operates. And I do like their market area, uh, their regional emphasis over there in Pennsylvania. So keep it on your list, but shares not quite as cheap as they used to be. So if you get a pullback, you might want to take another look. Then his third big bank is U.S. Bank Corps. USB is the ticker there. Now they began in, I like these stories of the histories of these banks because a lot of them go back really far. So they began in 1863 as the first National Bank of Cincinnati. And now, according to their website, they're the fifth largest bank in America now, U.S. Bank Corp. And these shares were recently at 52-week highs, actually. So a lot of these banks are rallying. And I saw year-to-date, they're up 23.4% versus, again, the 21% on the S&P. These all are similarly just barely beating the S&P for the year. Uh, Two-year, though, similar to the others, up just 5.4 versus 18% for that S&P 500. This one's a little pricey, too. PE is 132 you do get the dividend, 2.9% on the yield there. 
They are large cap at $90 billion market cap. Um, Trump, uh, Buffett first bought this one in the first quarter of 2006. So he's actually been pretty long-term holder of this one all through the financial crisis, which had to be real tough to hold all the way through what was happening to the bank stocks then. It is 3.3% of the total portfolio, so a little bit bigger than PNC for sure, but not anywhere close to Bank of America with that one. So another one you might want to keep on your list if there's any kind of pullbacks here, um, but that's U.S. Bank Corps USB. And then I took a look at Goldman Sachs because Goldman used to be the darling, but now not so much. They have moved more into regular commercial banking. I don't know if you've seen their ads. I think I've seen some on like the subway here in Chicago. Goldman Sachs is running their their own bank now. And um, this one is among the cheapest of the stocks that he has, these banking stocks in his portfolio. Their PE now is under 10 at just 99 here and he first bought this position in the fourth quarter of 2013. For some reason, I was surprised by that. I thought maybe he owned all the way since the financial crisis, but no, they, these shares were bought in um, originally first bought in Q4 of 2013. And then I took a look at these estimates. So earnings expected to decline for this this bank, 13.7% uh, here in 2019, and but up again another almost 10% for 2020. So they made $25.27 a share in 2018. The consensus now for 2019 is $21.81. So you can see the slight decline there, but that hasn't stopped these shares because like all the others, they're up 25% here year to date versus 21% for the S&P 500. Over the last two years, they are lagging like the others, up 10.8% versus 18% for the S&P 500. Um, did I mention the dividend? You do get one. It's a little bit lower than some of the others at 2.3%. They have a market cap of $77 billion now, so still in the big cap side. And Goldman is just 1.8% of Berkshire's uh, portfolio, total portfolio. So still a very small position for Goldman Sachs. And then um, switching on, I tried to find anything smaller. Now, remember, with uh, the Berkshire portfolio, he really can't buy too many truly small cap companies. Um, recently, the portfolio did add at least one that I would consider to be a small cap. But small cap banks, he has not been entering into at all. Um, and so the smallest bank in his portfolio is this one, our fifth stock, M&T Bank Corp. MTB is the ticker there. They were originally the Manufacturers and Traders Bank in Buffalo. So you can probably guess why he owns it. Buffett has owned the newspaper in Buffalo, and so he has a big connection to Buffalo. And so not surprising he bought the bank. So I had to go back and look like how long ago did he buy the bank? I figured it was probably quite a bit of time ago. And apparently he first bought in the first quarter of 2001 into this bank. So he's almost owned it, well, almost 19 years here, 18 years or so. So um, they are smaller 
but not that small. <laughs> they still have a 20 billion market cap, but compared to his other holdings, that is on the smaller side, still a large cap, however. And um, I took a look at these estimates. So 2019 expected to be up 6.5% and then 2020 down 0.8%. The analysts were cutting these estimates though after this last earnings report, but still seeing positive earnings growth for 2019, but not as good as what they were thinking it was going to be. And that's probably chalked up to the Fed rate cuts now being priced in there. They're not a five either. They are a Zach's rank three as well. Just That's just the hold. So that's a good sign, but a little bit more weakness there expected going into 2020. Now, this is only the the only bank that out of these five, which is not beating the S&P 500 year to date, these shares are up only 7.5% on the S&P 500. And um, it's up 21, as I keep saying. Over the two years, they're actually down 6.7% versus S&P up 18%. This is just 0.4% of the total Berkshire portfolio. So it's um, you know a very small percentage. But Interestingly, M&T Bank is among the 20 largest U.S. commercial banks. So um, you might not have heard of it if you're not in the Buffalo region, but it is actually one of the larger ones. So, um, you know, he definitely likes these larger banks. Um, for some reason, I didn't put the PE down on this one, but um, it's probably hovering you know, similarly around where some of these other ones are, which are values right now, but you kind of have to pick and choose, you know, how cheap do you want to get it with any stock? We have to do that, right? But certainly with some of these banks that have had nice rallies here um, in the 2019 period, they're not quite as cheap as what they used to be. So that's something to keep in mind, especially with that kind of anemic earnings growth. You're not exactly getting double digit earnings growth with any of these right now. So other banks that he does own, which I mentioned earlier in the podcast, the other big guys are JP Morgan, which he only just started buying in the third quarter of 2018. He bought some of JP Morgan the same quarter that he bought PNC Financial. So those were like two new banks he added just within the last year. And then, of course, Wells Fargo, he's been the most dedicated to other than M&T, apparently, because he did buy that also in the first quarter of 2001, along with M&T. So he still owns Wells Fargo. Um, and uh, he also owns a little bit of Bank of New York Mellon, which is ticker BK. And he first bought some of that in the third quarter of 2010. So right after the financial crisis, he bought some of that. and. Um, as I said earlier as well, he owns a lot of other financials, which can counter some of the poorer results with some of the banks with some of the better results of these other financials. So he's a big believer in the credit cards and that type of business because he owns American Express. AXP is the ticker there since 2001. He owns Visa and he bought that in the third quarter of 2011 and MasterCard also in the third quarter of 2011. Both Visa and MasterCard are very small percentages of his portfolio, less than 1%. Visa is just 0.9 and MasterCard is 0.6. So while those both have soared since 2011, and to be honest, Visa is among the best performing stocks during that period in the S&P 500. It's... Um, 
it is a small percentage of his overall portfolio. So it's not totally going to outweigh what is going on with the underperformance by some of these banks. But I took a look at the PEs on some of those and Visa PE is now 28.5. This is the forward PE and MasterCard is at their pretty high area of 36. So he has not been adding to either of those positions, not surprisingly, because they are frankly just not cheap enough anymore. So as a value investor, I too have stayed on the sidelines with both Visa and MasterCard because they've just, even for the last couple of years, been too expensive for my value um, biases. So I have missed out reluctantly on the big gains in those stocks. But um, Buffett does have a little bit of exposure to those. He's just uh, not as big as the other bank stocks. So as I've said, I like the banks. Um, I'm a big fan of the smaller banks. It's harder to find you know, good uh, lists on what to buy them, the smaller banks, and he doesn't really own any of them. So I probably will try to take a look at some of those for a future podcast as well, because um, they are feeling the rate cuts here. But uh, if they got a bit cheaper, even with those earnings coming down a bit, I might be interested to buy them for, you know, the the ultimate turnaround if if that is coming in the next couple of years. Because if you got a long time horizon, some of these uh, banks are much better managed now than they were during the financial crisis. So um, that's something to keep in mind as well. But let's recap those stock tickers here so that um, you don't miss a single one. So the biggest bank holdings that uh, Buffett has is Bank of America and it's BAC. Then we had PNC Financial, PNC, we had US Bank Corp, USB, we had Goldman Sachs, GS, we had M&T, which is MTB, and then I mentioned uh, J.P. Morgan, which is J.P.M., Wells Fargo is W.F.C., and Bank of New York Mellon, B.K., American Express is A.X.P., Visa is just V, and MasterCard is M.A., so you might find the banks to be boring, but Buffett certainly doesn't. And for value investors, it's a good area to kind of snoop around in, um, start doing some research in, maybe put some on your watch list because it is one of the value areas. And as always, if you don't get all of the value investor podcasts, you're missing out on the stock picks every week. So be sure to subscribe. We are on Spotify and they just had a great earnings quarter because every Everybody's tuning into podcasts over there. And I know many of you are too. So thanks for subscribing on Spotify. And you can also get us on Apple Podcasts and a whole bunch of other platforms. But be sure to subscribe to get every single episode. And I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.